Hey everybody, Dee Williams here, and you are listening to episode number eight of the StaffingStartup.tv podcast. Let's get fired up. Welcome to StaffingStartup.tv, the podcast that gives you direct access to the world's leading recruitment, staffing, and startup experts. Dee Williams speaks with amazing thought leaders, venture capitalists, and technology trendsetters about their journey, challenges, and successes related to recruitment, staffing, and hiring. Now, here's your host, Dee Williams. Hey everybody, this is Dee Williams and welcome to the StaffingStartup.tv podcast where we get fired up about recruitment and staffing. That's right, this podcast is all about the ins and outs, ups and downs and all arounds of finding and nurturing and securing exceptional talent for companies all across the globe. And today we're diving right into one of my favorite segments, Driven Insights. Driven Insights, right? Where we talk to thought leaders about recruitment, hiring, and recruitment leadership practices that will help staffing entrepreneurs support their clients more effectively and grow their business. And today's guest is someone who will really make you think about the type of talent that you hire, not only for your clients, but within your very own business. He's the author of the best-selling book, How to Hire A-Players. I am speaking of the one and only Eric Herencole. How are you, Eric? I'm awesome. It's great to be with you, Dee. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to have you here. I'm trying to contain my excitement here because I have so many great questions. So I'm going to dive right in. I, I see that you're just as passionate about recruitment and staffing as myself. So can you tell me how you were introduced to the industry? Like why recruiting and staffing? Sure. I uh, did a few things before I started my own firm in 2002. And when I started my company in 2002, I actually was doing coaching, consulting, but I had a recruiting background. And uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this. But inevitably, when you're uh, leading and managing people, there are some people who you can get better and there's some people who you can't. And so my clients were inevitably coming to me and saying, hey, listen, can you help us find you know, new leadership. Um, and so that kind of brought me back uh, into the uh, into the recruiting world. And that was back in 2002, 2003. That's awesome. So you kind of sort of accidentally, you know, went into recruitment and staffing. It wasn't like your core. Uh, to, I mean, it, it, it has it became my core. But yeah, that's right. It was it, in a lot of ways, it was a response to the marketplace. And yeah. it's, uh, it's what people wanted to buy. Yeah. And I think that to me, that's kind of the better way to get into an industry like this. I haven't met anyone who woke up one morning and just said, oh, my gosh, I have to be a recruiter when I grow right. up. You know what I'm saying? So it's always yep. something that they kind of land into. So that's that's pretty awesome. So I um, want to ask you about your niche. So okay. you focus mainly on manufacturing and supply. Is that in supply chain? Is that correct? I do. Well, I do a couple of things. My company um, provides a toolkit for uh, organizations that want to turn into recruiting powerhouses. So that's a that's really actually a primary focus of our business today. In terms of the retained search work um, that I do, yeah, it's supply chain and manufacturing has been uh, has been a primary focus. So 
I am like the queen of niche your recruitment business. This is yeah. my platform. It has been my platform for about 10, 15 years now. And um, it's really starting to become popular, even though I've been screaming this since the beginning of time, right? Yeah. So what what made you want to niche? Why did you decide to niche? Why didn't you just support everyone? You know, I remember working for uh, a search firm, um, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, I listened to a set of tapes by a guy named Larry Nobles, who was a, a contingency recruiter trainer. And he was the first person who I really heard emphasize that you have to be niched. Because if you do, then every client is a potential candidate. Every potential candidate uh, is a client. And the efficiency of you know, what they refer to as a desk really made it work. So that's number one, I think, from a business perspective. I also think that the marketplace over the last 10 years or so has basically gotten a lot smarter about recruiting. Mm -hmm. And I think it is harder and harder um, to get hired as a generalist who says, well, we do everything as opposed to a specialist who says, hey, listen, we, we know what we're good at. We know who we know. You know, this is where we focus. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's really important. You're speaking my language here. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to contain my excitement, honestly. Staffing Startup.tv is your number one source for news, information, and live interviews specific to the growth and success of niche recruiting and staffing agency business owners, staffingpreneurs. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely believe in the niche. And I think um, there and there aren't tons of staffing agencies that solely focus on manufacturing and supply. I know there are a lot of generalists. So um, recruitment and staffing. And I like to look at both, even though they're somewhat separate. And today, mm -hmm. I feel like the way the market is today, they're they're running consecutively um, in mm -hmm. many different instances. So yep. as a as a business owner and, and, you know, this is a startup you know, podcast, right? Um, we have tons of podcasts out there for people who are already in the industry, for people who are coming into the industry and trying to gain insight on how to service their clients better, how to service their candidates better, how to create a business that is um, that is profitable and that's exciting. Um, it, it can be super challenging going through that that journey of being a business owner. Was there ever a point in your journey where you felt like throwing in the towel? And like, how did you get through that moment? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, owning your own business is, is, is never uh, easy. I think, you know, if you look at the profile of most entrepreneurs, they're more committed to being independent than they are even to making money. I mean, mm -hmm. both are important. So I think um, I think that is part of it. Um, but it's also just a passion, you know, for the work and knowing that um, often the role in which you can bring the most value to a company is as an outsider coming in and advising them, you know, working for them on a consulting basis, a recruiting basis. You can often create more value for your clients that way. Uh, than you can, you know, working inside their four walls. And I always kind of keep that in mind as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We're going to come back and talk about this book that I have like been immersed in. <laughs> and it's called How to Hire A Players. We're going to talk about that as soon as we get back. We are here with Eric Heron Cole. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to StaffingStartup.tv. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> if you ever thought about starting your own employment agency business, but don't know where to start, don't worry. You're not alone. 
Staffingpreneurs Academy is your number one online training resource for starting, maintaining, and growing your very own niche recruitment and staffing agency business. Matching professionals with great job opportunity is one of the most rewarding career opportunities you can ever imagine. When receiving training and coaching from Staffingpreneurs Academy, you'll be well-positioned for future success. For more information, visit www.staffingpreneursacademy.com. Okay, so you've written this great book, How to Hire A Players, Finding People for Your Team, Even If You Don't Have a Recruiting Department. And so can you tell us, like, how this book came about and what's your definition of an A player? Sure. Uh, You know, the book came about in um, doing the kind of work that a lot of your listeners and a lot of your viewers do, you know, working with companies, uh, working with them on a retained search basis. Um, But one of the things that I saw was that there were a handful of companies out there that did an exceptionally good job of identifying, attracting, and uh, hiring and keeping A players. And they did things differently than a lot of other companies. And by the way, just because they do a great job of it themselves doesn't mean that they won't selectively use outside firms. They often will because they value the topic Mm -hmm. uh, and they know how important good people are. So that was kind of the, my impetus for gathering those insights together and sharing them, uh, you know, with my readers uh, who are mostly business executives and senior leaders of, of different organizations. Mm-hmm. And what's your definition of an A player? What do you what do you see? Yeah. So I, I define an A player in two different ways. I mean, um, I would say it's the top 10 percent of talent available for a particular role at a particular level of compensation. That definition is important because I think you can strive to hire an A player for every position in your organization, um, because they're making different, you know, an A player receptionist is making 35,000 bucks a year. An A player CEO is making $3.5 million a year. They're totally different people, totally different pools, but you can strive to get the best uh, out of those groups. Uh, I'll tell you a second uh, kind of more gut level definition that I really like is uh, an A player is very simple. It's somebody who can do a particular job better than you can do it. And you don't ever worry they're going to get it done. Which means, you know, if you hire somebody, you don't you know, de- you hire somebody into your organization, you don't need them to do everything that you do. You need them to do this, but right. you need them to do this really, really well. And you don't worry that you're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. And what's interesting, I asked business audiences uh, all over the world that question for over a decade. And I say, listen, if you had just one more person, you hired just one more person, 2018, that fit that second definition. For how many of you would that make a measurable difference in your business? Every hand goes up. Right. And, and my point is um, there are not many things in business that you can do once a year and have it make a difference. Mm-hmm. But recruiting an A player is one of them. Definitely. So that was and that, that was my next question. How can hiring an A player change the way a company functions or produces? And you kind of talked on it lightly, but can you give me some examples? Sure. Um so one of the stories I tell is about working with a, an architectural firm. This is you know over a, te- a decade ago. Um, about 30 people in this firm, uh, which is a pretty big architectural firm, actually. Uh, the leaders, Larry and Mark, terrific guy, great company. They hired me to come in really more on kind of a coaching basis. And one of the things we realized was, you know, you have leaders, managers, and staff in every company. You want the leaders in that kind of firm to be rainmakers. You want the managers to be overseeing the clients and you want the staff to be doing the work, except in their business. And mind you, a really good company. 
The leaders weren't minding the current clients. The managers were doing the work and the staff was, were being gophers and running around. They, they, they were underutilized at every level. That's not unusual. And one of the things that hiring just one more A player can do if you're a leader is now you've got somebody you can really trust mm -hmm. to do the management. So you're not doing the management. You're doing what you ought to do. So for senior people, hiring one more A player, it's often a two for one deal. You get an A player on your team and you start behaving more like an A player yourself. And that, you know, that's obviously a pretty significant payoff. Heck yeah. I mean, that's a major payoff. So then that leads me to another question because we're talking about hiring A players, but like, where would I find an A player? Like, that's probably the biggest question that I get, not just from my clients, right? But also new staffingpreneurs who are going into niche markets where there are more jobs than candidates, right? Right. Yep. There, there, there's a lot, um, I can tell you right off the bat, registered nurses, right? Um, I, a lot of people who said, D, I'm starting a registered nurse staffing agency, or I want to place registered nurses on the direct hire basis. Um, I, I, getting job orders is so easy. I can find clients who need them, but finding good RNs is very challenging. Is there like a secret sauce, Eric, to finding A players? You know, I don't know that there is a secret sauce. I do think this comes back to your emphasis on being niched. Um, because, listen, if you're starting a staffing firm or a retained search firm or any other type of, of recruiting firm, that's our job. I mean, our job is to know who's good, not who's looking, but who's good. So when you're niched, then you can de you're devoting every conversation you have is helping you to figure out who's good. Now, I know enough about the nursing market to know, I mean, that and construction, those markets are outrageously tight. There are tens of thousands of people understaffed all the time. Yeah. So, you know, you're gonna have to pry people away. And in fact, I'm working on a new book uh, called Crowbar Recruiting about prying away top talent. Ooh. And uh, that that's exactly, you know, that's, that's, that's why firms, recruiting firms are in business. You're gonna have to find people who are currently working for somebody else and you're going to need to prime away and, and place them at your client. That's that's the business. Yes. I love that title, Crowbar. I'm like writing this down. Crowbar recruiting. I can't wait until that comes out because you're right. That's exactly uh, where we are, I think, at, at this day and age. And it's not just, you know, nursing. I know that's where or construction. I think that anything in the professional solutions space in particular, I know we have welding and different areas like that that are tight today. But yeah. anything that's in that professional space, technology is hurting, right? Um, I don't think there's enough blockchain AI people out there that can sure. <laughs> that can solve all the world, ch you know, challenges that are out there. So I think it's definitely important not just to niche, but to be able to find those A players within the niche market. When you know, and I'm not gonna I want to give anything away in the book. I want people sure. to go in and purchase the book. But yep. let me ask you this, when if you have someone who's in a particular niche space and they feel like they have tapped into every source that they know, but they are looking for this 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 key person that's out there. I know you're talking about crowbarring and taking people away. Is that the only way to get in contact with A players or is there another way that people can go about um, finding the best talent out there? Like, where do they hang out? How do you know where they hang out? How do you know exactly where to go without taking them from someone else? Or is that the only option? 
Well, I, I don't think it's the only option. I mean, there are always events that happen that puts a good person out on the street or, or gets their boat rocking and, and causes them to look. Mm-hmm. But often, I think if a company is really committed to hiring the best, and again, to your po- point, I'm talking now about leadership roles in white collar environments. Right. I, you have to look uh, at people who are currently employed. Mm-hmm. That, again, that's a, that's our job. I mean, that's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So I, what I'm always what I counsel companies, uh, and it's certainly true for staffing firms, is we, we've got to figure out who's good um, before we find out who's looking. And and that some of that means investing time. Again, this is back to your advice about being niched. You can't do this in nine different niches. You can't even do it in three, uh, at least at one time. But in, in one or two, you can say, okay, listen, who's good? And even if they're not looking, and even if they don't want to move, because as soon we know as soon as you have a connection with somebody like that, and then the next time you get a job, an open job order for a strong organization, you can at least call them and get advice. Exactly. Right. And uh, so, I mean, it's that kind of I don't think there's silver bullets, but I do think there is a relationship building approach that um, we all think that we're too busy for, except you get to the end of a year or two years and you look at who's hired and who's stuck around. And you feel like, listen, I mean, we hired 10 people, but I'm not sure any of them really have paid off the way that we would hope. Yeah. Uh, so. That's how I think about it. And, you know, I it's so funny because, you know, of course, I, I work for myself now. But when I did work in agency setting, I've worked both contract and direct hire. I think direct hire is probably my favorite because <laughs> of the fact that you do get to build strong relationships. Right. My colleagues laughed at me so much because... I was the loud recruiter at the desk that was friends with everybody, right? So everyone I got on the phone with, I'm like, hey, you would have thought they were my long lost friend or my sister or my cousin. And at the end of the conversation, I'm constantly closing them on continuing the relationship. I spent a lot of time doing that. And mm-hmm. and um, I always got laughed at until the end of the month when the numbers came out and I was always the top recruiter, right? <laughs> because you those relationships are key. Do you feel like most recruiters today, regardless of what type of agency setting you're in or what type of recruiting you're doing, do you feel like recruiters today are more transactional and less relationship focused or do you feel like the relationship uh, focus is coming back? Well, I mean, my opinion is that recruiting at some level is transactional, even at a retained level, it is transactional. Um, so one way of thinking about it is this, that in a social media saturated environment in which we live, which I think really lends itself to an even more transactional approach, there's an opportunity to be a bit of a contrarian, you know, and you got to invest your time wisely. Um, and invest some time at building relationships. I mean, your point, I mean, you know, for you, building relationships in that context meant spending an additional 30 seconds on the phone with somebody talking about how they're doing and how, how life was as opposed to just, you know, moving to the next uh, job order. Right. I, I think there's value to that, particularly when you start talking about who's the top 10% of talent. If we stop talking about who's looking and start talking about who's good, right, by definition, that's one person out of 10 who's meeting that criteria. Who are those people? Because when you know those people and then you call them, even if they're not interested, the chances are the people to whom they're going to refer you are also going to be at least solid, if not equally as good. And again, we all know in the end, our reputation is going to ride on the quality of people that we're presenting to our clients. 
Awesomeness. You're amazing. So we're going to go to a commercial break. You're listening to StaffingStartup.tv. My name is Dee Williams. Hey. And we'll be back in a moment. We're going to continue this conversation with Eric Herring-Cole, who is the author of How to Hire A Players. We'll be right back. Are you constantly helping people find jobs but not getting paid for it? Did you make more in employee referral bonuses than your yearly salary? Don't let another dollar slip through your fingers. Learn how to start your very own niche recruitment and staffing agency business. Do it from home while you're working or in an office with a team full-time. It's totally up to you. Stop giving your time and referrals away for free. Learn more at staffingpreneursacademy.com. That's staffing, P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S, academy.com. All right, guys, we are back. Yes, my name is Dee Williams, and I am your host today of the StaffingStartup.tv podcast. And we're talking to Eric Heron Cole about how to hire A players. Everybody wants an A player, or at least you would think that. So recently I interviewed another guest who is who really believes that the B player is the key to success in business. And I'm just gonna explain his philosophy. He feels Ooh. like you can't have an A player without a B player. He says Kobe is not Kobe without his supporting cast, right? His supporting cast makes Kobe Kobe. Uh, Jordan, the same thing. And so my question to you, I am 100% for the idea of A players, but do you think that B players are just as valuable as A players? No. Okay. And, and to me, if we're going to talk, Kobe and, and Michael, then you never we have to talk Golden State, right? And, and, and the point is, that's an entire team of A players. However, importantly, they don't all have the same role. Mm. So what, here's my point it is, uh, I think I define a, uh, an A player in a job specific way. In fact, I, 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 when I'm leading, uh, you know, uh, speaking engagements, I'll have people define an A player profile for a particular role in their company. Okay. So I think an A player is job specific, which means there are some roles on the court in that context where you're not asking somebody to be Michael. You're asking them to, you know, be able to stand up in the paint and, and take on the big men and do what it needs to distribute the ball out. That's an A player. So I think A players look different in terms of creating a team. But my point to most companies, and again, this is, you know, your, your viewers are the perfect people to be talking with this about. Most companies are tolerating C players, calling them B players, calling B players, right? I mean, that's the dynamic that's really out you there. You just said a mouthful right there, just so you know. Yeah, I, that, that's the dynamic. So listen, if you've got all A's and a couple of B's, however you would define it, I mean, more power to you. But most companies are tolerating poor performers and poor performance. And one of the reasons they're doing it, by the way, is they don't know how to recruit. So they don't have a plan B. They don't have anybody to take that person's place. So they're, instead of dealing with that person, they're going home and complaining about them, but they're not actually dealing with it because they don't know how to build a recruiting pipeline. It's, it's enough, that's another area, by the way, where your viewers, I think, are adding tremendous value for companies. You start giving companies talent options, it makes their leaders and their managers or should make them more courageous about dealing with poor performance. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes I'll meet a candidate and on paper, they look crappy, right? And when I talk to them, uh, for the job that they're applying for, and many times 
in many instances, they're not excited about the opportunity. They're just going from one to another. But in regards to building that relationship, I get on the line with them or I'm in person and I'm talking to them and I'm questioning them about the things that they've done, the successes that they've had. All of a sudden they perk up and they start telling me all these amazing things that they've done that is that it's not even on their resume. Right. Um, You know, and and so. Could it is it possible that many B players are A players in disguise? I don't know about many. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I'm buying many. Uh I do think it I do think you could have people who are misaligned mm-hmm. um and would do better in another role. But again, as we you know, we all know, I mean, if people have been job hopping, if people haven't been dependable, if people haven't been showing up to work or whatever their issues were, that stuff that's really tough to overcome. Yeah. And typically I'm not, you know, not typically, I'm almost never asking my clients to consider somebody like that. Yeah. But, you know, let's go back to your RN example. If you have a, you have a registered nurse who maybe, you know, had the last role or two didn't work out, but you think there's some substance there in this kind of market, you know, you're at least going to talk to your client about it. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. You're listening to staffingstartup.tv. Be sure to connect with us on YouTube to catch the live video footage of the show. Uh, Shifting a little bit, what do you feel like is missing in recruitment and staffing right now? Like, what have we done right and what have we done wrong specifically related to the skills gap and the talent shortage? Well, I guess the one thing I would come back to is, um, you know, a strength becoming a weakness relative to social media. Uh, and the use of technology, and it's going to it's going to only you know grow more and more, and it should in terms of machine learning and artificial intelligence. But I think you know we always have to keep in mind if we want the best people, most of them are currently employed. Okay. So everybody can send all the in mails they want, but the people by and large are not paying attention. So we're going to have to figure out how to make a personal connection with that person. It typically comes through a referral. Um, you know, that may sound old fashioned, but, you know, until you show me a, uh, a bot that is able to reproduce that, there's always going to be a spot, a spot for recruiting firms that know how to identify and place, you know, and place those people. So that's my. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the piece that will never go away. Right. Um, and in technology, we have to keep moving forward, but you, you can never take like the personal interaction out of or I guess the human, the human side of people. Right. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so what advice would you give to a new staffingpreneur? We call them staffingpreneurs, but what advice would you give to a new staffingpreneur who is looking to start this business or they're like at the very be- beginning phases and and they're trying to figure out because um, I have a group on Facebook. It's a free group. And one of the things that I do is I have when people are joining, I make them ask uh, answer a couple of questions. And the final question that I always ask is like, what is your biggest fear? You'll be it's very interesting. Most people say they're afraid of failure, but the second biggest thing is their clients not finding them valuable. Like, how do I provide value to my clients? So what would be your advice to someone who is starting this business and looking to provide value to companies and to candidates even? Um, well, I actually would start with being niched. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that that is really important. Um, being responsive, I think 
is critical. Um, and I think that goes both for clients, but it also goes for candidates. A lot of recruiters are not treating people well um, and are kind of, you know, burning bridges or not really caring. I think that that really uh, matters. And then I would say, I mean, from my perspective, it's on the one hand, it is transactional by nature. So there's going to be, you have to be able to kind of make deals. And But I just have a bias towards trying to find good, really good companies. And I, that probably would be, you know, what I would recommend, which is to say, um, you're going to be known by the company you keep. You're going to be known in the talent market by the companies you represent. Yeah. So it's worth it, I think, to hustle for really good companies and figure out how to break in because that's going to help your reputation out in the talent marketplace. And that ultimately is what was, what's going to you know make you successful. Yeah, that was, that was great advice. We are talking to Eric Heron Cole about his new book, how to hire a players. And Eric, if there is one thing that um, you would like, what's that one thing you would like to share about your book um, that, um, with the audience, what's the one thing that you would want them to know that's in your book? Yeah, I talk about, um, being recruiter in chief. And this, uh, is a story that came a number of years ago. I spoke for a, a group of engineers there are a hundred people in the room. 99 of them were professional engineers between the ages of 25 and 35. And then I got one guy over to my left, 55 polished professional quietly holding court at his table of eight. So I made sure to make my way over to him and introduce myself. And his name is John. And I said, you know, John, what's the value that you find from participating? He said, Eric, that's very simple. I'm recruiter in chief for my business. And uh, I talk about that principle all the time because the bigger our organizations, the larger our HR organizations, larger maybe even our internal recruiting groups. Um, so recruiting is HR's job. But you know what? It's everybody's job. Yeah. And from the CEO on down, if we're serious, really serious about attracting the best talent, then we all have to own it. Doesn't mean we're gonna doesn't mean we're gonna be recruiting all day, but we're gonna be thinking about it. We're gonna have our antenna up. We're gonna look for talent all the time. That, I think that's a key piece of advice. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what can we do? Your listening audience here. What can we do for you in your business? Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, well, two things. If you go to Crowbar Recruiting, uh, Crowbar Recruiting, and, and there's two R's uh, in, in there, um, that'll take you to my website. Um, you can buy my book, How to Hire A Players on Amazon. That's the best place to go. And um, if you're interested in the idea of a hiring toolkit uh, that can help companies really get better at hiring A players, you know, send me a note through crowbarrecruiting.com, which is my company website. And I'd uh, be glad to get you some more information. So awesome. Eric, thank you so much for being here. You're like a wealth of information. So when Crowbar Recruiting uh, launches, will you come back and talk to us uh, about it? I'll, I'll absolutely be back. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Eric, thank you so much for being here, being a guest on StaffingStartup.tv. Our guest today, Eric Heron Cole, author of How to Hire A Players. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Dee Williams. I am the the host. I was going to say the guest. <laughs> I am the host of StaffingStartup.tv, your number one podcast for startup recruitment and staffing. We look forward to seeing you at in our next podcast. 
blessed and have an amazing day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the StaffingStartup.tv podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like more information on any of our stories or would like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at StaffingStartup.tv. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and please leave a five-star rating and a super awesome review so others can enjoy the show too. Check out the live video footage on YouTube. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.